What's going on, guys? This is Dave Heilman, a.k.a. Dynasty Dorks, and this is the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. We're presented to you by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has exactly what you need to win. Sign up today. You get a $100 free bet if you bet $100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com, bash us win bet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com, bash us W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Claim your free bet today. State restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? It's the end of the season for everybody now. And uh, even the Week 18ers, it's the end of the season. Hashtag ban Week 18 championships. It's almost painful right now. I, I, I don't know I, what to do with myself. Davis Webb was like QB4 yesterday. There's there's so many different reasons you need to not have Week 18 championships. But um, check out my TikTok at Dynasty Dorks. I sent out a nice message to all the commissioners of week 18 championships for you to send to them and remind them no mas. All right. So uh, today we're going to talk about the NFL draft order. We know the top 19 picks. Um, we're going to talk about some, some head coaching news. We have two head coaches fired. We have five on the year, some more potential fires coming. And we're going to talk about the rookie quarterbacks and some potential landing spots. But the first move that I think is going to happen is Derek Carr. If Derek Carr is not moved, by the third day after the Super Bowl, the Raiders are on the hook for $40 million. That is the reason they started Jared Stenham. That is the reason that they wanted to keep Derek Carr from getting hurt was because they didn't want to be on the hook for $40 million. So 40 million reasons why they did that. Derek Carr has stepped away from the team. He's obviously going to be on another team next year. Brad, if you could give one, maybe two teams that you think would be good landing spots for fantasy football purposes. Who do you got? So, so I've got two that are kind of at the top of my list for Derek Carr. I want him to go somewhere that he's got a good core of pass catchers and a decent run game, right? I don't want him to go to a place like Houston where, you know, the offensive line is crap. They don't really have the pieces outside of Damian Pierce around him. So for me, the number one, I'd love to see him in New York as a jet. Give me that gangrene where they can depend on Brees Hall. They don't need to rely on Derek Carr's arm, but he's got Elijah Moore. He's got Garrett Wilson. Maybe they bring back Corey Davis, Tyler Conklin. They've got a solid core of young wide receivers. They got a pretty good offensive line from a pass protection perspective. That would be probably my number one spot. My number two would be another one where they've got some pass catchers. They've got some youth They've got a really good run game, and that's the Atlanta Falcons. Seeing him throw to Drake London, seeing him throw to Kyle Pitts and rely on that running game of if it is Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley and Cordero Patterson next season, I'm okay with that. We talked about them before, almost five yards of carry from all of them, but who knows? Maybe they go out and they get a highly touted, one of these big Bad-ass running backs. We just don't know. I'd like to see that. Uh, but those are two spots I kind of like for Derek Carr right now. 
Yeah, no, I like those spots a lot. I mean, we got to see what, you know, there's some potential with the New York Giants. You're talking about an extension for Daniel Jones. If that doesn't work out, the Giants could be a nice landing spot in a nice situation. Um, the Jets is where I was pointed as well. Um, I'm looking at a team that is a quarterback away from going to the playoffs. They are also a team that is not picking high. And they've already spent a whole bunch of draft capital on Zach Wilson. They're not going to be able to, to go and trade a whole bunch of pieces to get up and trade for a, a quarterback. I think Derek Carr to the, the Jets would be a very interesting spot. Um, we've talked before about the the Tennessee Titans being a, being a possible spot if Ryan Tannehill were to be moved. Um, a spot that I saw that, that I don't think would be the best spot, but Washington Commanders are you know they're going to be in the market for a quarterback next year and the Washington Commanders um could possibly have a new head coach next year we'll, we'll see but they're going to have new management I don't like that that new ownership and Derek Carr I don't think he's going to go to something like that he does have a no trade clause so Derek Carr is going to go where he wants to go and there's no way he's going to go to Houston with what they did to his brother yep yeah there's one other spot that I think would be interesting for him but I really don't want him to go there because I want one of these rookie quarterbacks that we're going to talk about later to go there, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. I think they could, if they don't figure out a deal for Geno Smith, giving him the opportunity to throw to DK and lock it and have Kenneth Walker behind him. I mean, that, that'd be a pretty juicy offense for me as well. Yeah, and I, I think the Colts actually draft a quarterback. I don't think they go that route, but no, yeah. um, we'll see. So uh, let's let's check in with let's check back in with the sponsors and then let's get into our, our draft order. Well, let's actually let's announce the draft order. Let's just pull up the chart. Let's do the draft order. We got a couple minutes. All right. Let's see. And just so everyone can see, this is the trade chart. And so I get it. Houston at top. It's not Houston. It's actually Chicago. But if you if you look at this, you have Chicago Bears at one. You got Houston. And and then you have actually you have the Arizona Cardinals. So, so here, let's let's do this. Let me let me swap my screens real quick because I've got the draft order up off NFL.com for the first 18 teams right now. There you go. So we'll just we'll go based off of this. So let me share I can, a different I can tab. Trim, I can trim this off of YouTube. Yeah, that's fine. All right, here we go. So, uh, yeah, you got the Chicago Bears. Um, you know, they're going to – there's going to be a lot of Justin Fields talk just because they are going to want to build a lot for that pick. I um, yep. don't think they move on from Justin Fields, but that will be a conversation. Houston, they obviously need a quarterback. Arizona, then you have the Colts. Then you have Seattle via Denver. Then you have yeah. – That you is have- not something I think they expected, right, for that pick to be number five. Uh, that's yeah. a hell of a deal right there. Then you have the uh, the Lions via the Rams. Then you have the Raiders. Then you have the Falcons, Carolina Panthers, the Eagles via the, the Saints, the Tennessee Titans, the Texans again via the Cleveland Browns and the Deshaun Watson trade. Then yep. you have the Jets. You have New England, Green Bay, Washington, Pittsburgh, and Detroit. So Detroit has two top 18 picks, six and 18. You have Seattle yep. has pick five. And um, they're going to be in the playoffs. So we'll see where their next pick and is. Houston has two, right? Yep. And, and Houston's got twelve and two. two. And twelve. Yeah. So they got they got some really good draft capital. 
Um, so let's again, let's check in with the sponsors real quick, and then we're going to talk about some possible rookie quarterback landing spots. And I'm going to talk to you again about WinBet. Uh, WinBet is the official online sports sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there's always tons of ways to win, including live betting and same game parlays. The NFL playoffs are here. You have great promos, odds, and payouts. They're all happening right now. If you're ready to play, to sign up today, you receive a special offer. If you bet $100, you're going to get a $100 free bet. Limited to a state availability. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com. That's just so that we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com. W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. An offer is subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present a state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. Yeah, and if you're looking for some playoff fantasy football, our next sponsor is underdog fantasy we are brought to you by underdog fantasy and the season never ends because right now you can play their fantasy football playoff best ball or the gauntlet with one million dollars in prizes up for grabs they also have a ton of daily games for the nba and nhl if that's your kind of thing Plus, when you use our promo code SGPN at underdogfantasy.com, you get a 100% deposit match of up to $100. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. All right, let's uh, let's look at NFL Mock Draft Database and see right. where they are going with these quarterbacks. And the number one quarterback on their list, I believe, is Bryce Young. Is that correct, Brad? That is correct. So... Again, Denny, friend of the show, go to NFL Mock Draft Database, and uh, and you can go and, and check out where some of these guys are going. They're currently projecting him to go number two, and Brad, if you just select Bryce Young, it'll have his measurements and his stats, and hopefully that stays on the screen. You can see where his projections are. He's projected to be a first-round pick, obviously, probably a top two or three pick in this draft. And I wanted to look – you know, with Bryce Young, all the Bears fans out there are like they got Madden brain, and they're thinking that they're gonna get this. Like, I want all your money, kind of a you know. They they think that they're all Sonny Weaver, and the Bears are gonna move back three spots and get five, you know fifteen draft picks. The further you move back, the more you're gonna get in return. But realistically, you're not gonna be able to move that far back. And, and, you know, if, if you're probably not going to end up moving that far back in this situation because um, if someone moves up that far, it's just so expensive. And so we have the trade chart available. We're going to go through that in a little bit. Brad, you want to talk about a few spots for Bryce Young? And I'm going to look up some trade scenarios and what it would cost. Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious two up front, pending no trades, would obviously be the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. Me personally – I do not want to see him in Houston. I would much rather see one of these rookies in Indianapolis. I just think there's a better team. Uh, offensive philosophy, I know both of them. We don't actually know the philosophy, but the talent around them in Indianapolis would be a much better situation where he would have Paris Campbell. He might have Alec Pierce. He might have Michael Pittman. Uh, and Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, a pretty solid offensive line. I just think it's a better situation. Uh, so what I'd like to see is Houston bring in a head coach and a staff that kind of leans towards Ohio State, really likes C.J. Stroud's uh, measurables and, and what he brings to the table. 
And I want to see Bryce Young, particularly with those those pass catchers in Indianapolis. Uh, you know, there are some opportunities for some teams to trade, right? Detroit with their two draft picks, they could move up. I just don't know. Detroit has been very good from a draft perspective under this new regime. They haven't done anything crazy. They've taken offensive linemen. They've taken defensive linemen. They've done what they need to do to really start to build a very good foundational team. They drafted a really good corner in Akuda. I think they continue to do that, so I don't necessarily see Detroit moving up to take these guys, Uh, but there is a possibility that one of them fall. There are some really, really good defensive players at the top end of this draft, and maybe that just tends to to move these guys down. I just find it hard to believe that one of them, uh, or really both of them, make it past the Houston Texans at the number two pick. Yeah, and so, you know, a a really – interesting move would just be the Texans moving up one spot and the Texans, you know, they, they could have just not had to do that yesterday by losing that game, but they did. Lovey Smith is a, is a bears legend. It, <laughs> the, the, the number one overall pick on the trade chart is valued at 3000 points. And last year, move the sticks myself, every, a lot of people just did research on what the trades were last summer. And this trade chart is what they're using. And so 2,500 points for pick number two. So it would cost them a second round pick to get up one spot. And the only pick they have in the second round is going to be pick 33. And so it would be 33 and two to move up to pick one. The bears would and should do that all day. The the Colts are interesting. They do not have a third round pick because they traded it for, uh, for Matt Ryan. But the the Colts would have to give up their first pick, which is pick four, which is 1,700 points. They would have to give up a future first-round pick. And all future first-round picks are treated as a mid-first or a mid-second. Yep. So it would be worth 1,000 points for pick 16 in 2024. And maybe that gets it done. But they're probably going to have to throw a third-round pick on there as well. So you're looking at the Bears getting pick four, a 24 first from the Colts and their um, it it's going to have to be probably two thirds because they don't have a third. Uh, actually, they don't have a third rounder in, two, in 2023. So they're going to have to either do uh, like a fourth and a second or something like that. The Raiders, I think is an interesting one. The Raiders have it and it almost works perfectly with the chart. 1400 for pick seven. 1,000 for pick, you know, pick first round pick in 2024 and their third round pick, actually their second round pick, which is worth 510 points. And so that right there gives you right around 3,000 points. And the Bears are able to walk away. Obviously, if players are involved, it gets a little bit more interesting, but that's where we're at. Sober money. What's up, man? Um, but I, I do think that those are the two scenarios that people are looking at the most are the Raiders and the Colts. I think the Colts make a whole lot of sense, especially for, for Bryce Young. Um, but I, I think uh, the Raiders make a whole lot of sense for Bryce Young. Plus, they're going to have more capital if they do trade their car. Yep, yep. All right, let's go back here. Yeah, it's... I don't see, I cannot imagine Chicago paying that to move up one spot 
win, or I'm sorry, Houston paying up to, to, to move one spot. Do they really see that much of a difference between Bryce Young and CJ Stroud to give up that high second? I just can't, I just can't see that. And then the Colts, I think, you know, one of my favorite guys with with the Colts or one of my favorite landing spots for the Colts for one of these quarterbacks. And Dave, I'm sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of like roll right into the next guy just because it kind of came to my mind. That's gonna be Will Levis, the quarterback for the Kentucky Wildcats. I think the Indianapolis Colts would be a really nice landing spot for him. Again, as I talked about before, he's not the kind of guy that anticipates throws. He needs to see guys open, and Michael Pittman is really freaking good at doing that, especially when you can have the threat of Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. I think having a new head coach coming in there, they're clearly going to take a look at these quarterbacks and move up. Look, I'm telling you right now, and you can mark my words, there is not a quarterback in this class that has a better arm talent than Will Levis. That dude, he – so for me, it's like a Matthew Stafford-esque type of quarterback from a throw-the-ball throw, throw the ball perspective, right? He can turn he – can, he can throw at different arm angles. He just zips the ball, and it looks effortless. The amount of acceleration on this ball, and it doesn't look like he's trying. He can make every throw on the field – um, he does have a, a little bit of accuracy issues, uh, which which has been kind of well documented as well. Uh, but I think that'd be a great landing spot for him, along with the Seattle Seahawks with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. As I mentioned earlier, he was the quarterback that I'd really like to see in that offense as well. Um, the, the one thing that does worry me just a little bit is he there is a world where Will Levis falls in the draft right, where he's not taken in the top 10 where I think he should be taken because of that arm talent. We've seen way worse quarterbacks from an arm talent perspective be taken in that area. Uh, so it, it makes sense to me that he's in that, you know, seven, you know, five to 15 kind of range in the NFL draft. There's enough teams there that need a young quarterback that can sling the rock. And I just think he's going to be a really good fit for for the Indianapolis Colts at five, right? Is what we talked about. They're they're picking at four, four, and so um so they would not you know most likely not have to trade up for him with Arizona Cardinals picking at three, no. um you know unless somebody traded up to that three spot and you can see they they're thinking the same thing. He's going to be you know within the top eleven picks, um and I get it. There's people out there that hate Will Levis. I'm in the middle, and we'll do more of our QB breakdowns for me. I want to see a player that is continually showing progression and we saw the opposite of him this year and he had that kind of one spike year, which really makes me nervous. Um, But I do see the arm talent and and I do think that this guy throws one of the best balls in, in this draft Um, plays in the sec, which is great, but he did not play well against the sec this year. Um, And he did have, you know, three offensive linemen and Wandale Robinson enter the draft. And that definitely has something to do with it. Yep. Um, He's got some sneaky legs too. Uh, that's that's the thing that I really that kind of jumps off the screen to me about him is he's a big dude, 6'4", 6'5", 230, 235 pounds. He's a big dude. Uh, you know, very Daniel Jones esque in size, I guess, but he looks a little bit stouter than Daniel Jones, and he. He's he's got some legs on him that is, I think, a little underrated as well. Now he's not going to be Lamar Jackson out there or anything like that. I'm not even going to say he's Josh Allen esque in that way, but 
but it would not surprise me to see him be able to put up a, a few hundred yards rushing and a couple rushing touchdowns. Yeah, and, so. and Will Levis will be a, a polarizing player. Like I said, yep. there's people that are all over the board on him. Um, he's a little older of a prospect. He's 23. He'll be 24 next year. Um, that hasn't deterred people in recent drafts. Joe Burrow was a little bit older. Um, but, you know, with with him, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Uh, let's talk about C.J. Stroud. We skipped, we skipped over C.J. Stroud, and now you wanted to talk about him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so C.J. Stroud is clearly the number two for me. It's not close uh, between him and Bryce Young. And I could see the more, and I talked about this before, There is an opportunity for Will Levis to kind of jump him in my eyes. Uh, I just think Will Levis has just the better arm when it comes down to things. Uh, But C.J. Stroud is clearly going to be one of the top two quarterbacks, I feel like, from NFL standards uh, coming out. He really impressed me in that bowl game. I did not expect to see what I saw from that. Uh, He did answer a few questions for me in particular uh, in that game. He just he, he played lights out. He really did. And, uh, you know, I got some friends that are Ohio State fans. I hope they're not listening. And I kind of hope they skip this episode now. Uh, but they definitely probably should have won that game. <laughs> won that game. So uh, I didn't tell any of those guys that. But, yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, I look at it and I say the guy's got all the tools, but he has all those question marks that Ohio State quarterbacks have. Can they progress through their reads on the field, right? That's always kind of the the knock on pretty much every Ohio State quarterback that comes out. It's not like their wide receiver room where the wide receivers coach get them prepped uh, and coached up for the, for the NFL. The quarterback's coach and the offense just doesn't necessarily do that for the quarterback position. I don't see a world where he makes it past pick number five. Uh, or I'm sorry, pick number four. If he's there for the Colts, I think the Colts have to take him. It just makes sense to me there. Uh, so I, I think that's my my preference, obviously, I think, for them. I just struggle saying I want to see these guys go to Houston. Uh, but Houston's going to take one of these guys. There's, there's no way that one of them does not go there. I just don't think it's an ideal situation. Uh, if, if either of them go, I think CJ Stroud and his legs are probably the better option for the Houston Texans, especially from a fantasy perspective. I think he's just going to produce a little bit better there, uh, with as messy as that offense is going to be. Yeah. There'll be a lot of talk about Bryce Young's size. Um, obviously you've seen some of these smaller quarterbacks, um, do well. He's not going to fall in the draft or anything like that, but yeah, CJ Stroud being because he's not a runner. Um, but he was able to run in that game the other day, and it was the difference in the game. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, for me, it's one A and one B, and then Will Levis um, is is there. Um, and I think without an injury, Hooker would have been up there with Levis for me. Um, the next guy to talk about is Anthony Richardson, and I definitely disagree with the number nine projection. And I think anyone watching this episode is going to see that and and have something to say. Um, this is a player that is extremely raw and, and is a player that needs to develop as a passer. And so I, I think there are some very logical landing spots for him. I think Seattle behind Geno Smith for a year is a great landing spot for him. He's not, I don't think he's, I, I, I don't think he's going to be able to go out there and start year one. 
And so going to a place like Seattle, who's got, you know, they got two first round draft picks. I don't think he's going to take that first pick. It's going to be the mid first round where somebody takes this guy and you develop him. If he falls to the second round, a team like the Giants with what they've done with Daniel Jones, with what that, what Brian Dable did with um, Josh Allen. This guy is, he's Cam Newton as far as what his ceiling could be. He's a great runner. He has a rocket arm. He's got a big body. But as far as, you know, this is not a, this is not a guy that has, that has the stereotypical pocket passer traits. Yeah. And I, so when you're looking at someone with accuracy issues, footwork issues, and technique issues, I, I just don't think he's going to go that early in the draft. Washington there, the Lions with pick 22, where they could develop him. That's like that's more realistic than pick nine. The Panthers are desperate but I don't think that they go that route. They either get one of these top guys by trading up or they go with a veteran. I don't think they would go this route with Anthony Richardson, who I believe is more of a project. Um, and I'm looking at draftbuzz. NFLDraftBuzz.com. They have him at six. They have McKee at five. They have Hooker at four. They actually have Will Levis graded out as their second. Um, and then they have CJ Stroud as their third. Only 0.1 points behind Will Levis, but Bryce Young is... 94.1 score is much higher. And they have Anthony Richardson projected as a second uh, second round pick. Yeah, there's no I, – I cannot imagine this guy going in the first round. Um, I just – I don't see it. I get it. The dude is super elusive in the pocket. He's hard to take down. He's got good legs. He's a little bit of a runner. I don't like anything about his arm. Um, yeah, he's got, I mean, he can throw it far, but a lot of people can throw it far. Um, he is extremely inaccurate in any route where the wide receiver is running. If they're setting in zone, he has a pretty good tendency to put him on them. But if they are running across the field or that, he just, he is extremely inconsistent. Uh, and I just don't see how an NFL team can look at the film and see a guy who throws at like 53% completion percentage and be like, that's a first round quarterback right there. Only because he's got really good legs. Like I just don't, uh, I just struggle with it. Right. So uh, I'd be shocked if he's a first round pick personally, but I mean, I'm not a professional either. So. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, it was the same conversation with Josh Allen and not saying he is Josh Allen, but Josh Allen was a 50% completion guy. Um, this is a 17 touchdown, nine interception guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I, I don't put him in the same world as Josh Allen. Plus Josh Allen, he, he developed, he was not that great when he came out, he developed. Right. And, um, I do think it's going to take some time to develop him. Um, and then the next guy I wanted to talk about was, was Hernan Hooker. And, you know, last episode, he was my guy. He was the only, I was the only one that had him in the top five, I believe. Um, and, this guy came on last year and I don't think it was just, you know, it just a situation where he just came on last year. I mean, this guy the year before had quietly had a very good year, but Tennessee wasn't making as much noise. So in 2021, he had 2,945 yards on with 68% uh, uh, completions. 
He had 31 touchdowns and three interceptions. He took 36 sacks. That's the concern. His QB rating was 182. He was great. Year be- the year before, he didn't get as much playing time. The year before that, not as much playing time. This year, 27 touchdowns, two interceptions. So you're talking about a guy that has thrown 58 touchdowns and five interceptions and 6,000 yards in 20 games. That's damn good. Yeah. And, and does he does he play for like Alcorn State or Liberty? No. He plays for Tennessee. And if he doesn't get hurt, Tennessee could be playing tonight. I yep. mean, this this guy it absolutely looked apart. And yeah, he had some good receivers. Cedric Tillman, gonna be one of the top receivers in the draft. You're gonna see Jalen Hyatt, one of the top receivers in the draft, won the Bolitnikoff Award. This guy, this guy right here is an absolute stud. The ACL injury is a concern. I do not think he falls to the second round. I think somebody uses that fifth round option, takes him at the back end of the first round. And um, when you're looking at these quarterbacks, that's that's a great position for him because you're looking at these guys, you're talking about, oh man, I, I like this guy, but is he going to go to the Houston Texans and just ball out? Because he gonna Joe Burrow turn this organization around? Houston Texan fans hope so, but we've seen a lot of people that are the other way, and then they crumble because they're put into a situation in a bad. He's put in a bad situation. Where does NFL Draft Bus have him projected? Late first round. Brad, what are some teams for for uh, uh, Hendon Hooker over here? Yeah, I uh, see. I don't think he's a first round pick. I don't think he's going to a team that needs a starter at the moment. Uh, I like the, your call of Seattle with Geno Smith uh, there. I think setting, you know, let's say the Giants can't get anything long term figured out with Daniel Jones uh, and he's there for one more year. Uh, I think setting there behind Brian DeBall would be a good call. Uh, for them because you saw Brian DeBall kind of unlock Daniel Jones's legs, right? I may not be mistaken, right? They could do – well, they can't pick up his fifth-year option, can they, I guess? No, they, they've already declined so, his fifth-year yeah, option. That's they can tag him. So they him. have to sign him. So they, they can tag him. They can transition tag him, or they can yeah. sign him to a long-term contract. And a long-term contract doesn't mean seven years. It could be right, right, two, right. A, two or three-year deal um, for Daniel Jones. They're already talking about a potential – multi-year deal in the works. Yep. I think Miami might be, you know, I think Miami is questioning things right now. There's a lot of unknown with Tua and his health and whether or not he's going to be able to stay out of this concussion uh, deal. I think that'd be a nice place for him if they decide, you know what, we're going to, you know, I'm not saying he's taken to his job or something like that, but, you know, Tua's got another year on his deal if they choose not to pick up his fifth-year option. Now you're looking at a situation where Hinton Hooker gets to sit behind Tua, see Tyreek, see Waddle, and then turn around and start maybe if they don't pick up that fifth-year option on Tua and let him walk. Uh, I think that'd be another interesting spot for Hinton Hooker as well. Yeah, and I'm looking at teams that if you're if you're looking at the the draft order, maybe not got maybe you're not looking at teams that are in the back end of the of you know all these playoff teams. Um, you do have, you know, you don't know what's going to happen with the Packers and their quarterback situation. They don't know if Mac Jones is going to be with the Patriots next year, or maybe, maybe he goes there and competes with Mac Jones. Um, 
He's probably whoa, whoa! Don't don't just discount Bailey Zappy like that, man. You just threw him to the wolves. That's come right. on, come on, come <laughs> on. We we saw him singing Stacy's mom, and that was the last highlight he had this year. Oh, I got another. Since you brought up uh, some kind of embarrassing stuff, I know you brought up Will Levis and the mayonnaise and coffee. I uh, was also reading that he eats bananas with the peel on. Just FYI. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, Will Will Levis, um, he definitely is. He's got a he's got a characteristic. Uh, he's got a good social media following. But you know, you're looking at you know a team like Carolina. If they can't get anything done at pick nine, they could trade up from pick forty and go and make the move. Um, you're, you're looking at the, the Rams pick at 37. They got Matthew Stafford. Maybe they go and get, get Hennon Hooker to sit behind Stafford for a year. Um, you, you, you do have, you know, you do have Detroit picking at 18. You got Seattle picking at 20, um, Baltimore at 24. There's some interesting places. And some of these teams could trade back. Tennessee could trade back from 11, collect some picks and get, take Herndon at 32, 31, 30 and get that extra fifth-year option um, to let him sit and rest. And I mean, he may be ready. I mean, he hurt his ACL a month or two ago. Yeah, he may early. be ready when the season starts, but he's going to miss a lot of training camp and things like that, and that's why I think it'll hurt his stock. But I do think he goes the end of the first round and ahead of Richardson um, somewhere, somewhere behind Levis. Yeah. All right. Well, let's – uh, go ahead. You want to talk head coaches? Let's Black talk head coaches. Got a yeah, lot of guys getting fired, a lot of guys stepping away from the team, right? We had a lot of guys leave earlier in the season, right? We saw Frank Wright get fired. We saw Nathaniel Hackett get fired in season. Uh, unfortunately, Black Monday did not come for Brad and the method of Josh McDaniels being moved on from. Uh, I think he ruined my man Derek Carr, but it is what it is. There are plenty of other coaches to talk about here. We saw uh, Arizona move on from Cliff Kingsbury and their GM. Uh, we saw Houston move on from Lovey Smith after he gave him the middle finger on the way out by screwing them out of the number one overall pick. Uh, we saw my Cleveland Browns move on from their defensive coordinator, Joe Woods. If you've listened to us, you've heard me say that a number of times throughout the season. Look, this guy is wasting our talent in Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, Miles Garrett, some of these other guys. Uh, they moved on from him. We just saw today uh, Todd Downey, the offensive coordinator for Tennessee Titans, fired uh, and released. So that's a very interesting call to see kind of who they bring in and what their philosophy is. Really kind of probably tide changing there with Derrick Henry going on age 29. Uh, Ryan Tannehill coming off a pretty low, pretty bad season. Seven losses in a row for the Tennessee Titans to end the season. Um, and Carolina is the other big one, right? Matt Rule got fired in season, so they've got some interviews uh, prepped for Steve Wilkes uh, yeah. and that staff. There. Right now we have five that are five, five that are that are um looking for new head coaches, the Indianapolis Colts, the, the um, Houston Texans, Carolina Panthers, the Arizona Cardinals. And Denver. And the Denver Broncos. And another one that could be looking for a you know, quarterback or head coach here soon is the Los Angeles Rams. So um, John McVay is that guy that joins your dynasty league, trades all of his future first-round picks, and then he's out after year three. Um 
he says he doesn't want to be around for a rebuild. <laughs> the the coach that was the announcer was like, "You're so young. Like, what are you doing?" Um, he does that. Could Aaron Donald could be out? Um, Matthew Stafford could be out after this year. Gets paid fifty six million dollars to play next year. He's gonna be back. Yep. But um, they could be in in the market for a new um, head coach. Washington Commanders. I'm surprised that hasn't happened Riverboat. yet. Yeah. Atlanta Falcons. Um, I didn't expect Josh McDaniel. I don't. A lot of these first, like one year deals. I just. It's not very often you see a coach get fired after one year. Just so bad. It just, just does so bad. Nathaniel Hackett. He lasted. You know, I. Urban Meyer lasted longer than him. <laughs> I mean. It just uh, it doesn't it doesn't go. You don't get fired that fast in this league. Yeah, the Wolves must be hard asses. That's that's what that comes down to. They bought that team and were like, "You're out, go." Yeah, and Washington, they could be in, on the same path. I don't like what the Broncos did. You made the big QB trade. You made the the, Q, the head coach hire, and then you got new ownership. Washington's in the same boat. They could be doing that. And we'll see if if Riverboat Ron stays. I, I I'm just shocked that he's not fired. But he, you know, he could easily be the next one out. Um, and then, you know, we'll they see. They need to move on. I think Scott Turner needs to be looked at to move on from there too, right? The inconsistencies with that offense. He's just – he is definitely not North Turner reincarnated. Yeah, and, you know, with North Turner, he had stable quarterbacks. And yeah. the Washington Commanders, I think they had 27 quarterbacks in the last 10 seasons. I mean, it, it's just been horrendous over there. So, yeah, for Derek Carr, someone to go over there, nobody's going to want to go to that organization. They're they're probably going to have to drive somebody or sign a free agent and overpay. Yeah. Um, where Jimmy Garoppolo is a potential for both the Raiders and both for the Washington Commanders. Um, you know, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. And the Rams, but, you know, for fantasy football and dynasty implications, what we saw with – you know, we saw with Minnesota and what it did for Justin Jefferson and what it did for Kirk Cousins and that offense. That's exciting. And then you see an offensive coach go to Denver and we expect it to all like be good, especially because of Russ. It didn't work out. So you can't yeah. go and say, all right, offensive head coach is going to equal fantasy success. You can look at some of these other coaches. One, you know, one thing that was really difficult last year was you had 10 new head coaches. You had seven of them were offensive head coaches and five of them had never called plays before. So you can't be like, Oh, that guy's 53% run 47% pass. That guy's a tendency to do this. It was like, and then like, Oh, Brian Dable, we know what he does. Oh yeah. Uh, Mike Kafka is going to call the plays, And so you can't predict with some of these things, but what I can say is if a guy's had success in the NFL, as far as an offensive mind, it has a lot to do with what's going to happen with the quarterback. We were, we were excited, cautiously excited about Daniel Jones and what Brian Dable could do with him because of his work with Josh Allen and in that offense. And the fact that Daniel Jones has a rushing skill set and, the real, the biggest thing that they fixed with Josh Allen was the turnovers, and that was the biggest thing they fixed. I love seeing the Dak Prescott versus Daniel Jones side by side 
um, comparison this week was beautiful. Uh, um, and you nonsense. Look, you look what the Philadelphia Eagles are doing with Jalen Hurts and that offense, and and so a lot of the coaches that are being talked about right now are defensive coaches. So yep. my best advice is to look and see what they do with their offensive hires. If D'Amico Ryans goes and coaches for the Houston Texans, who does he bring with him? Who's the offensive coordinator? That That's interesting, too, because that's where he played, right? So he's yeah, a long-time linebacker for them. So Does he bring another you know, Kyle Shanahan disciple and try to unleash that offense? Because I'm down for that. It's worked yep. for the Jets. Yep. You know, I, I called the, the Jets, the Niners East, and, and we were seeing that type of an offense. And we're seeing fantasy success. Brees Hall was great. Garrett yep. Wilson has been great. And so you're not seeing the same success you are with 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 uh, Shanahan and the Jets. I mean, the Shanahan and the 49ers. But they, they're still Mike getting Daniels, right? Yeah, Mike McDaniel. And so we saw a lot of offensive hires, and you'll see more offensive hires this year. Eric enemy's got to get a job this year, right? I, I mean, just year after year, like, okay, where's Eric Bieniemy going? Uh, for those of you who don't know, offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, like, where? Wh- what are we waiting on here, man? Um, so, I mean, could it be a Nathaniel Hackett situation where he called plays for Aaron Rodgers? Sure, it could be. Uh, but when you're just that successful on offense for that many years, the guy deserves at least a shot at it, right? Like, what are what are we waiting on here? So, yeah, there's a couple of interesting ones. Yeah, he'll definitely be be out there. Um, you know, there's there's some rumors about why he's not a head coach. Not only does he not interview well, but yeah, some of the other things. Um, I think there's some things in his past as well. Um, but the enemy's not the only one. Um, you have, you know, John, you have, you have Jonathan Gannon, um, the defensive coordinator for the Eagles. You have, uh, the, you know, you have the, uh, the offensive coordinators that are, that are under all of these playoff teams are going to be looked yeah. at. No, the enemy's no. one of them. Um, but there's, there's a lot of teams out there with, you know, if they go deep in the playoffs, it's only going to strengthen, you know, strengthen, and then you have Sean Payton lurking, yep. Jim Harbaugh lurking. And Supposed, supposedly, he's come out and been like, I ain't going anywhere. Now, yeah. I, I can believe that. He's a god at Michigan right now. Uh, and he was not not great after the first year or two in San Francisco. Uh, so I could see him just sticking it out. And, and the Carolina Panthers owner came out and said that they're, they haven't been pursuing Harbaugh, but Harbaugh has been pursuing them. And that oh, his, Yeah. And so um, the Broncos are going to be interviewing Harbaugh yep. and Sean Payton both. So yep. they're looking for an offensive coach. It looks like um, Brian Flores has, has gotten some. He's. Some that, yeah. The Browns asked for him to be a D, the DC. So. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be – they requested the interview. I don't know if it's – I haven't heard whether or not it's been allowed or not yet. But but we'll know. see. I, I, I still think there's some more openings. Like I said, I think the Rams open up. The Saints are expected to retain Dennis Allen. That could change if somebody becomes available. Um, I don't – Arthur Smith, I don't get it. I mean – It was I, a I very uneventful Black Monday for me. Like yeah, I'm yeah. thinking, all right, Arthur Smith's gone – Riverboat Ron's gone. 
you know, I hope Josh McDaniels is gone. Like the Lovey Smith's going to be out because mainly not because he should be, but because he lost him the number one pick. Like they're just going to do it out of spite kind of thing. Uh, and it was just like nothing. Yeah. I mean, and, very and, uneventful kind of, kind of day. So, and we saw but, teams that started this early, you know, when you get three, three firings mid season with the, the, well, resignation with the Colts, but yeah. two firings, it, it uh, spread out the news. We'll say, but yeah. Cliff Kingsbury was the biggest, biggest one today. Yeah. And there's going to say Kyler Murray is going to have his um, input. I mean, they're they're married to. I saw someone said, "Well, they got the third pick, C.J. Stroud to be great." I'm like, that hasn't, hasn't even yeah. started yet. Yeah, they're yeah. they're married to Kyler Murray, and they're they're gonna have to get a coach that he prefers. Yeah, and and that's that's gonna be interesting. Vance Joseph is the defensive coordinator for the Cardinals. He's well respected, and we'll get a look in the building. Yeah, he's been head, have, he's got head coaching experience too. Yeah, so, he'll have to bring in a, an offensive coordinator that that fits well with yep. Kyler Murray and can manage his personality. And uh, Cliff Kingsbury obviously was not doing that. Yeah. So from a from a dynasty perspective, we got a couple minutes left, I guess. Um, how do how do you take this into account come the off season, right? So let's say Carolina, you know, hires. I'm just pulling a name out of out of thin air. They they hire up Joe Woods, defensive coordinator, as a head coach. Uh, they bring in a, a college offensive coordinator uh, to be their OC. What do you do with players at that point? Do you are you looking to sell players after head coaching hires? Are you looking to sell them before head coaching hires because you don't trust the organization? I mean, there's some pretty heavy dynasty players. You know, if you think DJ, you know, we're talking Carolina. If you talk DJ Moore, if you were talking DJ Moore last year, that he's there's a lot of people had him top 12 dynasty wide receiver. I want multiple firsts for him. And now you could probably get him for a late first, one a singular late first. What are you do you move guys before head coaching hires after, or do you really not let it affect your dynasty, your dynasty potential? Yeah, like I said, it it all depends on who the hire is. And so a defensive hire, when you look at like Justin Fields, like Justin Fields had a good year and his, his stock is definitely up compared to where it was. Yep. And earlier in the season, it did not look like a good, um, they hired defensive head coach and then they hired, you know, the Packers like tight end coach to be the offensive coordinator. Yep. None of that was sexy, um, <laughs> but eventually it did work and it was great for fantasy. Um, you look at what the giants did. And you said, okay, it's going to be good for Saquon. It's going to be good for Daniel Jones. And so when you see uh, like O'Connell, the reason that I liked the O'Connell hire was we knew that this was going to be more three receiver sets, more passing volume. We knew that was going to happen because we knew he was going to bring that scheme. Even if he doesn't call the plays, he's going to bring that scheme. Same thing with Cincinnati. So if you see someone from the McVay, from the Shanahan system, you have an idea of what they're going to do. And so you're interested. And so I would, you know, if I did not believe in the player, use that as a sell and, you know, try to sell on that. If Sean Payton goes to the Denver Broncos, you're going to see all those players stock go up. 
And if you're like, I still think Russ is washed, that window is going to open for someone's going to be interested in, in buying. And, yep. you know, Cortland Sutton's going to be in there and involved as well. And, you know, with a lot of these guys, you're going to probably have to sit and wait because it sounds like a lot of defensive, you know, or unknown as far as the, the, you know, head coaches and the enemy, you know, that's really one of the, the top offensive coordinators that you can think of. I mean, Byron Lefwich, yep. you're thinking of guys that made the play teams that made the playoffs. So the giants, we might Kafka. I haven't heard his name anywhere. You have Byron Lefwich. I haven't heard his name anywhere. Kellen Moore. Uh, I don't know who the offensive coordinator for the Eagles is. Um, you have I mean, a lot of the head coaches in the playoffs call the plays. Yeah. And yeah. so is someone from the Bengals organization or the, you know, the, the bills organization, like is Ken Dorsey going to be up there. I don't, I don't think so. After we saw him explode in that booth week, week two or three. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he, so he's another guy who's got a ton of offensive coordinator experience. He's got a head coach, some head coaching experience under his belt. Um, so I, I, that'd be an interesting, interesting play there as well. But yeah, he, he was a QB coach for a while. He's, he's only offensive coordinator for one year, but he's been a QB he was, coach. He was Cleveland's offensive coordinator before. Endorsey? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And, and so with Ken Dorsey, I mean, he's, he's someone that will be up there soon for, you know, for, he's after, you know, being in Buffalo and the success that they had filling in for Brian Dable. Um, but you look at all the playoff teams and you look at their offensive coordinators and people are going to want some of that juice. Oh yeah. Yep. Well, that's the answer. That's one of the big things in the, you know, in the off season is when coaching hires happen, what, you know, player evaluations start to change. People start to change their mind and what they're going to do. Um, no, I guess he wasn't. For some reason, I was thinking he was an offensive coordinator for the Browns. Well, he was, uh, he was a quarterback for the Browns. Well, I knew, I know that. <laughs> Dorsey. I'm going to have to look now. Maybe there's some other door. I don't know. Either way, moving on. Yeah. I'm showing my right. ignorance on live air. <laughs> oh, you're good, man. You're good. Uh, um, and, and that was, you know, that was one of the, that was the reason, the only reason I knew that was because we talked about it last year. We talked about how Dorsey was new and we didn't have anything to go off of. Like with Houston, Pep Hamilton was the offensive coordinator. So we knew what his tendencies were, you know, at least we could point to that. Not that we're yeah. saying he's great because last time he was an offensive coordinator got fired, but that's what we see. So, for me, the, the offseason is is always interesting to see where the, the teams are going to move. And I do think that the, the hirings will give you tea leaves for what moves they're going to make in the draft and in free agency. Do they get an old-school coach? they get a defensive coach? You're probably not going to see a receiver drafted in the first round. Or, you know, you're, you're gonna, you might see some of these linemen and some of the things that you've seen with Dan Campbell where, you know, it's a little bit more of a old-school traditional build when some of these other offenses that are high-flying, they're taking receivers and tight ends in the first round. Yeah, Dan Campbell is so conflicting for me. I love what he's doing for the Lions, but I hate what he's doing to DeAndre Swift. It's just pissing me off. Like, dude, you got 
You got this. He's clearly the better runner. I get Jamal Williams has got like 18 touchdowns on the season or whatever, but just put the ball in DeAndre Swift's hands. Come on, man. God's killing me. Yeah, I'm hoping Swift gets traded this offseason. He's obviously done something. And then yesterday he got the ball, had his first like good play of the game and got hurt. Yeah. Um, what are, what are your thoughts on Jerry Judy? Jerry Judy had a, a play yesterday that I was like, I didn't think Jerry Judy was that fast. He was pretty fast. Um, you know, he's always been a quick guy, but I mean he was he was blazing. Uh, I think you have an opportunity to get off of Judy because of how good he's been the rest of the year. Um, next year, Tim Patrick will be back. We don't know what that his impact's gonna be on the offense. Javante Williams is gonna be back. They're going to have a new coaching staff. I like Judy, and I, I wouldn't move him unless I'm getting a good offer. But in my eyes, there's a lot of Jerry Judys, and you could move and get, you know, Rashad Bateman plus, or you could get another player plus for Jerry Judy right now with how strong he finished the season. Yeah, I'm the opposite. Yeah, he, he's a hold for me. I just think he is. He is clearly the number one in that offense. And I don't care what offensive coordinator comes in and who's calling the plays. It is clear that Russ looks for Jerry Judy. And that's all I care about. What is the quarterback to wide receiver relationship? Uh, I don't want to say that's all I care about, but that is the most important thing that matters when you're looking at wide receivers. What is their relationship with the quarterback and how often are they on the field? Well, Jerry Judy's always on the field. And he is the go-to guy for Russ Wilson. And like you said earlier, they're not moving off of Russell Wilson. They can't uh, anytime soon, really. A uh, minimum of two more years. Uh, and to me, I'm going to take that that Jerry Judy and the targets that he's getting because I think the upside is there if they can get Russ back to – Russ ooh, I almost dropped it. If they can get Russ back to the Russ of the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, and I'm not saying he should move. He should move on from him, but the price is right with any player. And oh, Judy, yeah. Judy's his his was high, then went down, and the stock's on the way back up. And so now is the time where you can capitalize on that and get a good player plus a pick for Judy. I just I don't view him as a top twelve dynasty receiver, and if you're going to get, you know, someone like Judy in that cluster, I feel like you could, you know, there's guys that you could trade and get that guy plus Judy and, and not lose a lot of value. Do you, do you think so? So with that being said, do you think you could move Jerry Judy in a late or would you, would you, and could you move Jerry Judy in a late first for like a CD lamb, uh DK Mech? Like, would you move for one of these other bigger who you would say is probably a top 12 dynasty wide receiver? Yeah, you can go both directions. I mean, you can go Jerry Judy plus a late first and go for one of these guys. Like if you look at a rebuilding team, that's a move that they're going to want to make. They're going to want to get a player. Everybody wants to get two for one. They want to get a pick and a player for that player. And so if they're going to move DK Metcalf or move a, you know, a, a CD Lamb or T Higgins, something like that, they're going to want to move get it like a lesser player plus a pick. And so if you dangle a first out there, plus a player like Judy, you can get, you can get someone like that. Or, you know, I, I don't know if Jalen Waddle's low enough right now that you could possibly get Jalen Waddle. Um, but I, I mean, I might do the opposite and go backwards 
and sell Jerry Judy for Jamison Williams in a first or Jamison Williams in a second or go and get Rashad Bateman and, and, and you know, something like that, where I feel like next year, Judy could be right on the same playing field as those guys. And I got the pick um, where, you know, if you, if you move up, it's going to have to, you're going to have to pay up to make that kind of a jump. Cause Judy's Judy's probably in the top 24 top 20 range as far as late our wide receiver two in dynasty. Yep. So if you want to move up into that top 12, it's going to cost you at least a late first, maybe more. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, it kind of, it's team dependent to me, right? If you're, if you're a piece away from competing, if I could move Judy in a mid to late first for one of those guys, I'm going to do it. If I think it puts me in championship contention. Yeah. Uh, whereas if now I may look at it the other way, if I'm in the shoes of shit, my team is garbage. I need to move Judy because he's the best piece I have. Now, if I can go get, you know, some of these other guys plus a second round pick, I, it, it, we talked about Jamison Williams before, and I think you're the one who, you know, I, I was like, oh, go, let's go buy Jamison Williams. You're like, if anybody held on to Jamison Williams this long, they're not moving him. So I, I feel hard pressed to think you could get Jamison Williams and a first for him. Uh, but I think you could probably get Bateman because he didn't do a whole bunch, but I don't know if I'd want to move from Judy to Bateman either. So, uh, yeah. And, and but. like right now the ECR, cause people haven't updated ECR has Judy at 27 Rashad Bateman at 30. So I don't, I don't think that's, you know, that's going to happen. Your boy, George Pickens is at 23. James Williams at 24. <laughs> They're above Judy. So it would be more, you know, it would be stepping it down more than that. You would have to go to like Calvin Ridley or Amari Cooper plus a pick or. Yeah, that'd be, I'd be interested. I've got Judy in one league and now I'm going to, I'm going to go talk to the Pickens owner. If I could get Pickens plus for Jerry Judy. Well, this is saying you can't because this has Pickens at 23 and Judy at 27. So you might have to do Judy plus, but you know, if you're going to do Judy plus and get into the, you know, we'll say Garrett Wilson territory, Garrett Wilson's at 10, Judy's at 27. In my rankings, Judy, I think is around 23, 24, but I have Wilson as a top 10 guy. Yeah, It would take, it would take a first to make that leap for, for Wilson or Olave. Let's see. I like it. I like it. I'm trying to pull my rankings up. Yeah. Well, hey, Stover Money, we appreciate you, man. Uh, Appreciate you hanging out with us. If you, you know, if you get the time, like, review, throw your questions out there. We'll try to get to them. Um, You can get us at at SGPN Fantasy Football on Twitter. And I'm Dynasty Dorks. And this is at FF Bourbon Dude. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know if you have any questions. And uh, as always, good luck this season. I'm gonna end the uh, I'm gonna end the podcast, but if you want to stay for a second, no. yeah, just cheers. <laughs>